1: a place you go instead of a people that you love. I like to say that definitely twice. Church became a place that you go instead of a people that you love. What has happened to the church? It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen to the church at Ephesus overnight. But we live in a culture and you say, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to. What? Do you see what's happened?
0: Sadly, much of the church has lost focus on its first love and turned its attention to buildings, programming, and disagreements over doctrine. It's a sad state that we're in. As Pastor Danny will challenge us in today's message, we need to return to our first love. Jesus Christ died so we could be free from the oppression and division produced by sin. Yet we've allowed that very divisiveness to enter our spiritual family and split us up, drawing our focus away from our Savior. Now here's Pastor Danny in Revelation Chapter 2 with Part 2 of today's message, A Message to the Church of Ephesus. To every nation
1: their zeal you're not half-hearted because he says you persevered and you have not grown weary you're still on fire for the Lord you're still zealous for the Lord it is not a failure to be willing to publicly acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior we know that's not the issue you have verse 3 persevered and endured hardships for my name that's a commendation so it's not doctrinal. It's not a lack of zeal. It's not that you're a Christian that's not willing to stand up for Christ. I think one of the key clues, a lot of key clues, you find in a letter that the apostle wrote to the church of Ephesus about five to seven years after God used him to plant the church, to burn the church, the book of Ephesians. And so you go to Ephesians, and I think, Right in the first chapter, tremendous clue. What does it look like to leave your first, forsake your first love as a church? Chapter one, Ephesians, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I've not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. He will go on to write in Ephesians, I want you to know the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of the love of Christ. I am convinced that what it looked like for the church of Ephesus and any church to lose their first love, they don't love one another like they used to. Now again, a little bit of historical background I think will be helpful. Uh, Ephesus was the main seaport of Asia Minor. As a result... It was uh, very multi-ethnic. There were Egyptians, Romans, Persians, Syrians, Jews, and mutts. Very multi-ethnic. It it had great social diversity. Anybody ever see any kind of diversity that uh, causes problems between people? Maybe not right away. Someone asked a group of religious leaders how many people it took in their church to change a light bulb. For the Pentecostal, it took 10. One to change the bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. The Presbyterian, none. Because lights go on and off at predestined times. Episcopalian, it took three. One to call the electrician, one to mix the drinks, and one to talk about how much better the old bulb was. Methodist, It was undetermined because whether your light is bright, dull, or completely out, you're loved. Nazarene. It took one woman to change the bulb and five men to review the church lighting policy. Lutherans. None. Lutherans don't believe in change. For the Amish, the Amish, what's a light bulb? But my background, my background now, and listen, my background in the Christian, we know how to fight. And we know how to change a light bulb. But in the Baptist church, it took at least 15. One to change the bulb, three committees to approve the change, and decide who's going to bring the potato salad and the fried chicken. And if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't even use that illustration forgetting those things which are behind, losing your first love. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes these words, verse 14, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two. That dividing wall was a literal wall in Jerusalem at the temple. And they had a sign there that any Gentile that ventured beyond that wall where only Jews, circumcised Jews were allowed, did so at the cost of their life. Greatest barrier, biblically, was between Jew and Gentile. Here's a Jew coming in, plants the church in Ephesus, and you've got this multi-ethnic, multi-social diversity, and that becomes a challenge. When God is trying to change the heart of leaders in the early church, like Peter, in regard to loving one another despite the diversity now in the church... Jew and Gentile meant to now be one in Christ. That was a great practical challenge. Remember when in Acts chapter 10, Peter gets the sheet let down from heaven, all kinds of unclean animals, and the message is, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter's like, never, never been unkosher in my life. I'm not going to start now. And of course, God's trying to teach him a lesson. And third time, he gets the vision, then these men show up, inviting him to an uncircumcised Gentile centurion named Cornelius. Peter gets to Cornelius' house, enters the house. It's filled with uncircumcised Gentiles. Here's what Peter says. Acts chapter 10 verse 28. It is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. I don't know if you've ever thought And realize that when Peter obeyed God and walked into Cornelius' house filled with a bunch of uncircumcised Gentiles, not only was that a tremendous step in his personal growth in Christ to now not look at an uncircumcised Gentile as he is holier than them. The level playing field at the cross, Jew, Gentile, rich poor, black, white, yellow, red, doesn't matter. But when Peter did that, not only was that that a tremendous step of faith and growth for him personally, he broke the law. He broke the law. When he gets back to Jerusalem, members of the church criticized him because they had already heard what he did. You went into the home of a bunch of uncircumcised people? What was God doing to try to deal with Peter in terms of the prejudice that had been born in his heart and he grew up that kind of culture and that kind of mentality and even though now he's committed and a follower of Jesus Christ, it's still there. And if the love of Jesus Christ is ever going to shine through Peter as a leader of the early church. He's going to have to repent. He's going to have to realize, I'm not more holy than them because I'm Jewish. I'm not more holy than them because I'm circumcised. Because it doesn't matter my race. It doesn't matter my social status. It doesn't matter those things. It matters that Christ is now the center of my life. And in the church, there is no place for racism. There's no place for prejudice. There's no place for social class. You've left your first love. They had maintained their doctrinal accuracy, their zeal for truth, their ability to endure hardships for the name of Jesus, but they had lost something so vital. For their testimony to the world. They lost love. By this you'll all men know that you're my disciples. Not by your right doctrine, as important as that is. Not by your perseverance, as important as that is. By your love. Now here's what I want to ask, because I you have to, you have to, I think you have to really know in, in order for us. To, not to go there, or if we are there, to get out of there. how did it happen? How did it happen? And let's talk about it. Good, you're still here. <laughs> Luke chapter ten jesus <laughs> Jesus has a, a a situation with two of his followers, Martha and Mary, and they both. Jesus is Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset. You're anxious about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I think one of the things that happened in the church of Ephesus, um, they've persevered. uh, They have not grown weary. uh, They are well taught. uh, But listen, here's what I believe one of the things practically that happened. They are so busy serving that the priorities got mixed up now they're serving they're there they do children's ministry they're there they're coming to do the hospitality ministry they're there to they do the ushering they're there whatever else needs to be done you know for for the for the functioning of the church the weekly meetings all those things that happen you know and you're doing those things but but because you're so busy i mean you got the kids and you got the husband and the wife and you got life and now you're you're busy serving and and it can happen to any of them. You love the Lord. You're not involved in some blatant sin. It's just that your time with the Lord is not what it should be. And here's what happens. Listen, here's what happened to Martha. You get anxious. You lose your peace. There's no joy now in serving. And now all you're thinking about is the people that aren't serving well, I signed up for it. How come? And why didn't the Lord rebuke them? I'm the one. I'm I'm doing something. You see what happens? It's so innocent, but it's, it's terrible. It can happen to any of us. And I think practically they they were serving, but priority of sitting at the feet of Jesus they had lost it. And when that happens, the second thing practically, how did it happen? I think serving became a priority instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus. Both are important, but. F- which is more important, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Second thing that happened, I believe, is fellowship was no longer a vibrant reality. Here it is. Church became a place you go instead of a people that you love. I like to say that definitely twice. Church became a place that you go instead of a people. That you love what has happened to the church. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen to the church at Ephesus overnight. But we live in a culture and you say, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to what do you see what's happened? And now it's just, it's just a place you go. You come to hear some loud mouth like me. And while this has its place. And if I've been your pastor for years, this is not a new message. But I pray it's a fresh message. Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Fellowship. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship. I pray that for you, church becomes not a place you go, but a people that you love. In a microwave culture like we live in, listen, you cannot have fast fellowship. It's not possible. In the revival God's given me, I've become become a fellowship junkie. I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of it. The only problem is, people keep coming. How am I going to fellowship with all of you? That's a big boat. We're having dinner. My wife reminded me the other night, Can we eat at home tonight? Said, Why would we want to eat at home? I said, Because we haven't eaten at home for six nights. By the way, I put into the budget buying you meals. I should say the leadership is putting into the budget. Because we're doing a lot of meals out, we're eating with a lot of people, and I'm loving it. I can't get enough of it, but I'm only one person. If we as a church fellowship are going to have the brightest light we can have, then fellowship has to be part of our life. So the church becomes not a place you go to as much as it is a people that you love. And if you're Caucasian, that means you sit down with somebody who's not Caucasian. And if you love rock and roll, you sit down with somebody sometimes that likes Bach. And that takes faith. And that takes humility and that takes commitment. My best friend right after I became a Christian, Christian was Steve Lintner, and we had nothing in common except Jesus. Nothing. I would have never hung out with him for any other reason. We had nothing in common except Jesus. Listen, you got a great... Great jump start in that you got 35 choices already. And if you'd like to start a fellowship, go on our website, fill out the form, and we'll get you on this unless you're a weirdo. And then we're going to wait until you're not a weirdo. <laughs> and we're going to give you an opportunity to start a fellowship, not just to hang out to do something you like together, but that's still a good jump start. And so on here, you can join a kayaking fellowship. I love the one. Mike and Joyce, I love yours. What did you call it? Mike and Joyce, empty nesters, over 55. I'm already an honorary member. Well, I'm close. I'm close. We got a couple weeks to go get a kick out. But I mean, my goodness. Did I embarrass you? I'm sorry if I'm, I'm not sorry. Call them. Call them. Get on. Listen. The only way you can have fellowship is to have fellowship. I strongly encourage you, take advantage of this and may our light get brighter as people look and say, see the love that we have for one another. Oh, you got me going now. I think Jesus, so many things Jesus wants to do, but we are, his, we are his hands, his feet, different parts of the body. And if the body never connects like it's supposed to connect, how can he minister the way he wants to minister? Not only a bright light that shines, but practically Jesus being able to minister to others because the pieces of his body are starting to fit together. I think one of the things that happened is serving became a priority instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And with that, I think fellowship was no longer a vibrant reality. Church became a place you go instead of a people that you love. And last but not least... I believe the church in Ephesus, and you look at the scriptures, and it bears this out. They increased in knowledge, but they didn't continue to increase in love. And their doctrine was right, and they were very knowledgeable in terms of the scriptures. But church became a routine. It just became routine. And their testimony was lost as a result. So repentance, do the things you did at first. They devoted themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship. To the fellowship. And the one another ministry. One another ministry. The early days of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa in the early days of the Jesus movement. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. They were criticized. You know one of the criticisms? They said they were exclusive in terms of just totally focused inward. It was just kind of their thing. But do you realize that's a biblical thing? Pastor Chuck got it. He understood biblically. And his one of the great statements and he's got some good he got some good nuggets that are still ministering to me today. You know one of the things he said? Healthy sheep naturally reproduce. You don't have to have to have a conference on evangelism. You don't have to preach somebody into evangelism. Healthy sheep naturally reproduce. As the church is inwardly focused and loving one another, sitting at the feet of Jesus, loving on one another, practically speaking, and then going in our world, sharing. And some of that sharing is just what's going on. And when they come and they experience it, even before they commit their lives to Christ, they go, man, you are salt. In other words, they don't say that, but you're salt. and You make me thirsty for what you got. You're a light. I mean, you guys are real. You guys are the real deal. You're not just going to church. You are the church. You're not know, just caught up in some religious thing that you're doing. And you know we really love one another. And so when you do share Christ, there's something of of a tangible reality that they go, man, this is real. This is not just some religious club that we're a part of. Healthy sheep naturally reproduce. And repentance for any local church to the message of the church at Ephesus Do the things you did at first. I'm just going to give it a little quick plug because did you realize that the counsel to the church of Ephesus is for any marriage relationship as well? Your marriage is not what it used to be? Not what it ought to be? Hey, bonehead, do the things you did at first. Hey, honey, sweetie, wife. Do the things you did at first. If you will just do the things you did at first and not wait till they start it, so, well, if you do what I, you did first, I'll do what I did first. Wait, whoa, what are you talking about? And if you'll just take that and you go, Well, why, why is it not what it ought to be? Well, are you doing what you did at first? Go back and do what you did. What did you do to win her? What did you do to appeal what did you do to appeal to him? In a holy fashion. You're a Christian now. So as a church, listen, want to be a bright light as a church? Get involved in fellowship. Learn to love one another despite our differences. And with that, as we get to know one another, guess what? You'll learn how to forgive. you learn how to humble yourself. you learn how to love somebody that didn't have anything in common with you except Jesus. And once you learn how to love somebody that has nothing else in common with you but Jesus, then you start to overflow with real love. Learn what it's really like.
0: you continue to study the book of Revelation, you'll see destruction and death, but also the incredible future that awaits you if you're a follower of Jesus. The pictures painted of the throne room of heaven are inspiring and exciting, and you will one day get to stand where John stood. You'll meet the Lamb of God, who took away your sins. You'll rejoice with the angels and spend eternity getting to know your Creator as He always intended, in perfect love. This is something to cling to as you move through the difficulties of life. Knowing that you have a new home waiting in heaven can also be the catalyst to move you to share the good news of grace with others. They can also have a chance to live eternally with Jesus, and they might just be waiting for someone to introduce them. We hope today's message on the living word has been a blessing to you, and we'd like to tell you how you can access more teachings from Pastor Danny. All you need to do is visit our website ccfstpete.church. Click on sermons to be directed to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way, you'll never miss a new edition of The Living Word. Are you listening in the St. Petersburg area right now? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Once more, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on The Living Word.